Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Osmo NFL Daily Fantasy Newsroom, where I, your host, Kyle Dvorak, break down yesterday's fantasy news from training camp. Past few shows, we've been catching up on the previous handful of weeks of training camp. Now we are caught up, so we get to do more deep dives into specific training camp news bites. But before we get into anything, I want to remind you to go to osmo.com forward slash fantasy dash football to get access to our draft kit for just $29.95. You get the Osmo Fantasy Football Rankings done by Alex Osmo Baker, the world's number one daily fantasy player. You get the Draft Wingman, which helps you build optimal season-long and best ball teams, the Breakout Sleepers and Bus Table, our Cheat Sheets, customizable strength of schedule tool, and most importantly for me, the $35 credit for new users at the FFPC. That makes the draft kit free if you're going over to the FFPC. So again, that's osmo.com forward slash fantasy football to check that out. Now let's dive into the news. First bite of news we have here is an update on the David Montgomery situation. Originally, it was reported that Montgomery had to be carted off. Then that was updated to he walked off in his own power. It appears that he just has a groin strain that'll keep him out two to four weeks. The low end of that two weeks means that he is back and healthy for week one. The high end of that four weeks is at least a game or two missed for Montgomery, and that doesn't even factor in the risk of a re-injury or the fact that it doesn't progress the way they want it to. So Montgomery is a guy going in the middle of drafts where you can get similar volume in guys like Chris Carson, in guys like James Conner, David Johnson. I'm not sure why you would be taking Montgomery, even with a modest discount. The injury risk seems so high here for not much reward. Getting the between the tackles work on a team like Chicago doesn't seem all that valuable. They're not a team that scores a ton of touchdowns. They're not a team that has this incredible mauling offensive line like the Ravens. They're not a team, assuming Nick Foles ends up being the starter at some point, that has a quarterback who's going to free up lanes with his legs like a Deshaun Watson did for Carlos Hyde. So for me, David Montgomery, you're taking on so much injury risk just for the upside of getting a lot of work between the tackles. And that's not really worth even a discount that surely will come for him. So he's a guy staying away from. If you want to, I think it's fair to look at backups to him. Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce broke down them on yesterday's show. Go ahead and check that out. Both Oregon State running backs who just didn't get a ton of run at Oregon State as running backs. Tariq Cohen, on the other hand, at North Carolina A&T, going over 20 carries a handful of times and going over 200 yards on the ground alone four times. So he's a guy who I think is underrated in his ability to get between the tackles work. Interesting to note here, Cordero Patterson was reported to be in the running back room this offseason, and he's a guy who's gotten run at running back before. He's been special with the ball in his hands, over seven yards per carry on his career. He has two games in his career, both in New England, where he went over 10 carries, 10 carries and 11 carries, while still taking on kick returning duties. And he was over four yards per carry. He was actually at 4.7 yards per carry. So it's not like we've seen him fail as this lead back. He has two games where we've seen him be pretty successful as the team's number one running back. Those were even spot starts. He wasn't getting all of this practice time as the lead running back. He was basically thrown into that role at the last second. So I think it's interesting if we get more news on him being a between the tackles runner for this team. He's a guy who I would be considering picking up in fantasy circles. Drew Brees, really interested in Traquan Smith, says he thinks Traquan Smith is ready to explode this season. He specifically says 
Traquan Smith is a guy who I think is ready to blossom and just explode in this offense. Saints coach Sean Payton also talked up Smith recently. Smith is a guy whose flash playmaking ability with the Saints, he just has done it so sporadically, especially last year, loses a handful of games to injury and doesn't really come back to do much, goes under 300 yards. His rookie season left a lot of uh, left a lot of promise there. He had two massive games, 111 yards and 157 yards, scored twice on the 111-yard game and one more time in a 157-yard game, then doesn't even top 60 yards once in his sophomore season. The injury doesn't help, but that's still concerning how little he was used. However, he has scored 10 times in his career. He's a guy who's been able to make plays for the Saints, just not consistently. But this could be his big third-year breakout. He has a really interesting prospect profile. Broke out at the age of 19. According to Player Profiler, his 19.2 specifically breakout age is in the 86th percentile. Also puts an above-average college dominator. And at 6'2", running a 4.49 is very impressive. That puts his speed score, which accounts for his size, at the 82nd percentile. He's a guy who has a combination of size, speed, college production, and sporadically NFL production. So I think he, if you can get him, especially in Drew Brees stacks in the final rounds of your best ball draft, he's a guy who I would be gobbling up for basically nothing. He's a guy who you can get in the very last picks of your best ball drafts in standard leagues that aren't going as deep into the rosters. Probably a guy you can leave on waivers, but at least monitor. Moving on to the next piece of news, we have Devin Singletary struggling with ball security in training camp. The Athletics' Joe Biscaglia noted that Devin Singletary has fumbled twice in practice on a limited number of carries. Singletary also struggled holding on to the ball as a rookie. He fumbled four times on 180 touches. Those four fumbles were tied for second most among running backs last year, despite the fact that he was second most in fumbles. He was only 29th in carries at 151 and 33rd in targets at 42. So although fumbles not really a factor for fantasy, most leagues give you a minus one penalty, but you know, who cares if you're doing it four times in a year? However, losing work because your coach doesn't have faith in you to hold onto the football is a big decline for fantasy. So the team adds Zach Moss on day two of the draft. And Moss has a prolific college profile. His final college season at Utah, he goes over 1,400 yards on the ground alone. And most notably, two seasons of 29 and 28 receptions, 243 and 388 receiving yards. And that's something Singletary didn't really show off in college and he didn't show off a ton in the NFL. So bringing in Moss to fill that role of being both a receiving back and potentially being a guy he can give a lot of carries to because he has that ball security unlike Devin Singletary could push Singletary into more of a change of pace back, a guy they bring in for splash plays but are not relying on a ton. Zach Moss, with this college profile, you could see him being a three-down back in the NFL, although with Singletary there, he doesn't project to be that in his rookie season. But because we've seen Singletary struggle to hold onto the ball now in his rookie season and in training camp, it's reasonable to expect Zach Moss to enter the league and have a significant role. The training camp buzz around Moss has also been very positive. So Devin Singletary, sort of in that David Montgomery range of running backs, a guy I am comfortable downgrading when I can get a round or two earlier, a James Conner, and then hammer receivers in the middle of the draft. So for me, Dave Johnson, James Conner, even Todd Gurley are guys I'm willing to pay a bit more of a premium on instead of taking high-risk picks like David Montgomery, like Devin Singletary. Moving on to the next piece of news, the Dolphins are trading running back Kalen Balazs to the Jets for a conditional late-round pick. I mean, uh, what? What is even... I like? Why would a team... Seek actively seek out Kalen Balazs. Not only did they do they now have Kalen Balazs on their roster, that's not a good thing. Kalen Balazs last year got over 70 carries and ran for less than two yards a carry. Two yards a carry. They needed to add an extra down if he was supposed to get them a first down in a drive. He needed five downs 
actually, he even needed more because he was only running at, I believe, 1.8 yards a carry. And then not only for him to be actively sought out, they pay any draft pick, a conditional late round, early round, it doesn't matter. Who is paying a draft pick for a guy like Kalen Balaj? So for me, this is just, uh, it's, it's hard to even put words to how baffling this is. For fantasy circles, it doesn't seem to have much impact. Kalen Balaj based on his history of complete lack of production or efficiency as a running back, is not even a lock to make the Dolphins' final roster. But they were a team that was a bit thin behind Le'Veon Bell. I don't think in any way this this can be used to change the projections of Le'Veon Bell. If anything, a guy like Frank Gore could be considered to change that projection. A guy who seemingly every year comes in and stifles a running back ahead of him. He did it with Carlos Hyde. He did it with Marlon Mack. He did it with Kenyon Drake. So for me, if you want to downgrade Le'Veon Bell based on Frank Gore, that's fine. Kalen Balaj, on the other hand, you just, it's hard to even project him to make the final roster. They already drafted LaMichael Pirine in the draft this year. They have Frank Gore and obviously Le'Veon Bell. Seems like they just acquired a camp body or maybe a final roster spot guy for a conditional pick and not even a good final roster spot guy. So the move a bit befuddling, but for fantasy, unlikely to have an impact. This one could have a major fantasy impact though. Bengals running back Joe Mixon not necessarily holding out, but missing practice with migraines now. He previously missed practice, I believe, a lower body injury, but it seems as though he is, at least the the conjecture is that he is using all of these injuries as a way to pseudo hold out. Running backs right now aren't going to have much luck holding out, it appears. They need to play in order to get that accrued season to hit free agency. If he doesn't play at all this year, he will not hit free agency, and he can't seek that big contract from another team anyways, so he has to at least step on the field at some point. Mixon also gets fined for entirely holding out of practices. However, I don't think these count as finable misses of practice because he is, uh, you know, supposedly injured. So that is a, a reasonable excuse for him to not be practicing. Won't be fine for these. But if he chooses to hold out, he will accrue fines and he won't get that year of service. He's not entirely without leverage in the sense of if the team values Mixon, which they clearly have some value on him, they want him on the field and him holding out prevents them from having a talented running back on the field. So that is really his biggest source of leverage. Last year, Joe Mixon took, I wouldn't say a step back, but if you look at his receiving stats, it really was a down year for Mixon. Mixon was targeted 45 times, caught 35 balls, and went for 287 yards. Those are all declines from the year before, despite the fact that he played two more games. The only improvement he made was in the touchdowns part and scores two extra touchdowns, but in fantasy, we're looking for that volume unless we can predict those touchdowns at a higher rate, say for a guy like Aaron Jones playing on a good offense like in Green Bay or Alvin Kamara just being insanely efficient. Although even last year, we saw Alvin Kamara lose that touchdown production and become a lesser fantasy back. Joe Mixon not being used like he was in college as a receiver. His yards per game was a three-year low and a significant dip over three yards per game lost in the receiving game. Last year, we saw so much of his production come from that late stretch in the weeks one through seven. In weeks one through seven, he was a top 20 fantasy back just once. Then through the rest of the season, he was a top 20 fantasy back seven different times, goes over 100 total yards, one, two, three, four different times in the second half of the season while doing it just once in the first half of the season. And most importantly, he was producing big, big monster games, 156 yards, 176, 186, 151, over 100 again. These were massive games. He ends the season with 176 yards, two scores, a huge game. Wasn't doing that at the beginning of the season, but the team decided to lean on him instead of going with their horrid passing attack led by Andy Dalton and his backups. 
So he's a guy who Osmo's rankings are not particularly in love with. In fact, they have him as more of a late second round pick and you're never really going to find him there. So Osmo's rankings have him as a fade. Now this holdout risk even decreases the likelihood that he outproduces his overall ranking. So Osmo's rankings have him as a fade and the risk just increases the probability of something bad happening this season for Mixon. Rams coach Sean McVay expects to have second year running back Daryl Henderson available, but that's not a guarantee. McVay has grown optimistic since the initial injury in which it seemed much more likely that he had the potential to miss week one now the team planning on having him however Henderson is still set to miss the rest of training camp and that is obviously not good for a player who they were not trusting with the football in his rookie season sees less than 50 touches despite the fact that Todd Gurley was ailing was clearly ineffective he wasn't being used like he was in the receiving game in years prior they needed a guy like Henderson appeared to be to come in and take touches away, and they just weren't willing to give him that role. Now he's fighting with another day two rookie in Cam Akers for touches, and he's not going to get any more training camp. Really concerning for Henderson, probably a guy you can stay away from now, and generally Osmo's rankings have this entire backfield as a fade. Henderson's best shot at being fantasy relevant is in PPR leagues. He has a pass catching history and at just 5'8", that would make sense as opposed to trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, giving him between the tackles touches. He could be electric, on his pass catching reps while Cam Akers takes less valuable between the tackles touches. But overall, Osmo's rankings have both as a fade, and it's really hard to see Henderson having a three down roll. And lastly, the team still has Malcolm Brown hanging around. If Henderson does miss time, Brown would likely be used as a between tackles player in some circumstances. He's a guy who we saw mop up a few touchdowns last year and has been a backup for the team for a handful of years now, a guy they at least trust to get the football, even if he's not going to be a big playmaker like either Henderson or Kent Makers could end up being. So if Henderson is out, it'd be interesting to see how they split the touches. I would imagine Malcolm Brown gets five to 10 mostly carries while Cam Akers gets a handful of carries and gets a bulk of the team's targets out of the backfield. That's a way that they use Todd Gurley a lot up until last year. And if their offense is humming, probably a way they want to use Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson again. So Malcolm Brown not really possessing much of a pass catching skill set. If he ends up being in the lineup, it's likely that either Henderson or Akers are getting a lot of targets while Malcolm Brown at most has goal line touchdown upside, but not a ton of fantasy relevancy. That's going to do it for today's Osmo NFL Daily Newsroom. Be sure to check out Osmo.com forward slash fantasy football to get access to our draft kit for just $29.95. You get a ton of cool stuff, our breakout sleepers bust, customizable strength of schedule tool. I use that in an article you can check out on Osmo.com to build a breakout quarterback by pairing up quarterbacks with easy schedules at opposite times. So awesome tools there. And of course, you get that $35 FFPC credit. So the draft kit basically becomes free as long as you're using that. I've been your host, Kyle Dvorak. Find me on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. I'll catch you tomorrow for another awesome fantasy football daily newsroom. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play Play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.